Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Broadway Jets podcast. You'll know me from Twitter as NYJ Mike, and I'm joined as always. It's the master of receipts, NYJ Matt. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. It's bittersweet knowing that the season's coming to an end. It feels like we were just in the preseason watching like the Packers game, and so fast this season wrapped up. A lot of bad, right? They are four and twelve football team and seventeen point underdogs in the final week of the year. But for the first time in a long time, it does feel like we are moving in the right direction. Our young players, even when even if they're getting hurt, when they're on the field, they play well. We have backups in the system playing very strong. Yes. I'm very optimistic, and obviously the Buccaneers game, a heartbreaking end to it. But damn, it, it does feel good to be a Jet fan right now. Yes, yes. Zach Wilson has looked good the last couple of weeks. And not only that, but the supporting cast, people are developing. Robert Sala came out and said a, a number of players in the team are overperforming. Um, and it feels like, so in 2018, Darnold's final four games as a rookie, he played really well. Mm-hmm. He threw uh, six touchdowns, two picks. He, was, he led the league in pass rating. But it didn't feel like the Jets as a whole were getting so much better especially important young players. Now you have Zach progressing these last few weeks. You know, you've all seen the stats on Twitter. He's had, you know, seven touchdowns, two picks, or eight touchdowns and two picks over the last, like, seven games. But you see the whole team developing with him. And if, if, it feels like the Jets are moving towards something. They're running the ball well, playing better defense. Well, defense has been all right, but. It's a, it's a great point because if you look back to the Darnold Packers game, right, the 44-38 game, like, who's the cool young running back? Like, Elijah Moore that or Elijah McGuire that game, 14 carries for 35 yards. You know, Robbie and him are gaining connection, but at that time, you're, you're thinking to yourself, is Robbie, like, a real number one? Herndon is the only guy in that game where it's, like, a young guy to pair him with. Like, a Jermaine Curse doesn't matter. You don't like Jordan Leggett. Deontay Roberts got a touchdown. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Andre Roberts had a big kick return that game as well. So I think that's a great point that you're making. Not only are we seeing Zach progress, but we're seeing the people around him. Like, I know we don't love PFF, but AVT grading out as a number one guard, 90 PFF grade against like an insane defensive front for the Buccaneers is such a good feeling. He's getting better in pass pro. He's a mauler in the run game. And it's such a perfect game for him. Carter get going down, but popping off for a 55-yard run. Wilson making anticipation throws, hitting guys where I don't know how he even made the completion, like the Cole one that he got tackled to one, like unbelievable throw, the sidearm throw, different angles, just a hell of a game, just like one turnover worthy throw potentially that guy kind of jumped the route on him, but a heck of a game. I think it's his number one game of the year. And yes, that was, that was the most, you know, comfortable Zach looked maybe the Titans game, but yeah, this was more consistent. But people talk like a competitive loss when you want a better draft pick. And I always think that's like a tough thing to find. It's tough to find a competitive loss. And that really is the the number one scenario, what what happened on Sunday. And um, I wanted the win. I don't care if it's the fifth or fourth, sixth pick, but they they ended up not getting it done. But competitive loss, I think, for the most part, it was a well-coached game. The fourth and two, I think, is an overrated talking point. I think we'll get into that more. Yes, he also, like, 
like, what if Zach Wilson just got the first down? You I know what I mean? Like, I think it's, it's not the craziest thing in the world. Like, everyone's like, why would you ever do that? Like, they literally could have, you know, it's not like he almost got it and didn't get it. It was, ended up being the wrong play call. But, like, Berrios, like, just hand it off to Berrios. Like, he could have just got tagged on, like, a four-yard loss. We'd be like, it's the worst play call. <laughs> Yeah, I think he would have gotten it if they gave it to Barrios. And the reason why I, I usually get in the mud on Twitter, as you know, I will like today, Seth Walter, the guy from ESPN that said that the AV, AVT trade was bad. I tweeted it was like, please don't tag Seth Walter in the stat. Please don't do it. Don't tag him. And I kept <laughs> tagging him. Um, but the SNY guys, I think it was Cologne, Barscott, yeah. and Doosable. Like, I think they've actually been fair on Wilson. I think that two-minute segment was really bad on their end, but I haven't tweeted about it because I don't want to give light and just create the narrative that now people are talking about is is Zach Wilson selfish. I kind of let those go under the radar. I think exactly what happened happened. He saw the A-gap, fourth and two. At that point, I don't think Wilson's thinking it's a fourth and two. He's thinking fourth and one. If I get a yard and a half here, we win the game. And the A-gap was open to start. They did a good job closing it, and it happened. You, and I want to give your take here, you were pro field goal in that in that spot, and I think that's a fair take. But I want to hear what your thoughts were on that. Fourth and two, I would have kicked the field goal. <clears throat> the Jets haven't been especially good in those fourth and ones, and then you're you're overtime proof. You go up twenty-seven to twenty. There was less than a minute left, and the Bucks had what one timeout or no timeouts. So, so I, I think it was a little bit more than a minute. If I, I think it's like a minute forty, minute thirty-five. Are you? I, I got to check, but I was like, fuck yeah. them, you know. I thought the defense might stop him. I was even, you know, I understood going for it because, you know, you had to keep the Bucks just out of the end zone. Um, but it's kind of weird. You felt like Brady was going to score a touchdown no matter what. Mm-hmm. And which is a garbage thing to feel. And that's, you know, it's not just because Brady's one of the clutchest best players of all time, but that, that's an indictment on our defense. And uh, it's just disappointing that it felt that way because, and my reasoning to, I wanted to kick the field goal because I thought, you know, all you have to do, if it was a field goal that would decide the game and I, I Brady can get down to the 35 yard line, but fuck you score a touchdown. And, and you know, he did. So yeah, there was actually two minutes and 15 seconds when that snap was called on that fourth and two, two of 15. All right. It's a lot of time, but he's supposed to score a touchdown. I don't know how right. many timeouts they had either. I, I, I was 51-49 on it. I personally like going for it just because if you, it, it's such a statement to say, fuck you, Tom Brady. You're not even getting the ball back. Like, no, you I'm cool with it, too. I'm cool with it, too. Yeah, that's you know, the right take. It shouldn't be like, how the hell would you go for it or you have to go for it there. I, I tweeted, I liked it. You tweeted, I would rather kick the field goal. Both make total sense in my mind. Yeah, it was, but, a, it, it was fine. I like the aggressiveness, and especially against Brady. I mean, yeah. for the reasons that happened. And a huge shout-out to LDT and Feeney and AVT, that inside, playing a hell of a game. Even if it was Austin Walder back there, or Ty Johnson, Holder being opened up in the run game. Fant going down is kind of annoying just because you want to see him close out this really strong campaign. Um, it's not an ACL, though. That's it's not an ACL. I think fans should are a little too high on Fant. I think the proper take is he's exceeded expectations and should be back next year to start a tackle unless you draft someone, you want to make a big improvement. Um, but yeah, he played at a, a, almost a pro bowl level in the year. So I'm fine with bringing him back. I don't think, I think a lot of people are talking about like, he's an all pro. No, he's not the best tackle in the NFL. He's a damn good one this year. Uh, but again, it's a small sample size for him and you just want to see him close out the year. 
Um, so, you know, fans' injury was frustrating. Yeah, it's tough. I'm happy the run game looks good the last couple of weeks because obviously Lafleur wants to make that kind of a staple and then get the play action going, some of those short throws, and then you could unleash Zach. And I don't know, the, for most of the year, I didn't feel like the run game really ever got consistently going for a stretch of time. Michael Carter had some good moments and some other guys, you know, Austin Walter had the cool game where he scored the touchdown and Zach Wilson had his nice run. But the that's that's last week and these last two weeks, I feel like the Jets really like could impose their will on the ground. They have sort of an identity. Do we have an identity, Matt? We don't. And I know that's the one thing that we're <laughs> looking for. We, there, there's no identity yet, but it's cool to look at. Building. They beat the Texans, right? And they played a, a good game of football, right? Defense made some plays. It was their one real signature game of the year, only giving up 14 points. The offense played well. Then the offense against the Eagles were incredible in the first half and faltered a little bit. Saints game was weird in general. Dolphins game the first half, they were incredible and faltered in the second half. And then the Jaguars and Bucks were two complete games. Everything was working. So out of the final five games, you played three and a half really good halves. And I'm, I think overall, we're, we're going to be in a good spot here. So three and a half of those five games, there was only like a, two halves in them that you're like, what the fuck were you doing? Um, uh, but yeah, it's, it's an improvement. <laughs> it's improvement, man. And well, think about this too. Speaking yeah. of improvement, Zach Wilson in the beginning of the year, remember his first quarter stats. And now it's an afterthought. He looks good in the beginning of the game, comfortable. Oh, great point. Great point. He started off hot first quarter again, right? And that's the one thing we've been asking for all three of the last weeks. He's been great in the first quarter. Defensive side of the ball, holding the Bucks to under 30, I know that's like an accomplishment. You can't let them walk down the field. I don't care if it's Brady. It just felt it just felt terrible. And I, I the defense needs – to, to get a, a lot better next year, get healthier next year. The fact that we're getting Lawson back, I think you mentioned it to me the other day, it just makes everything easier. But if he was healthy all year, you get a better grasp for how this defense is going to look in 2022. And unfortunately, he just didn't have that. No, obviously, it would be great to have Lawson this year. That would have changed a lot. But you were getting a potential Pro Bowl, All-Pro kind of guy for next year. For absolutely nothing, you know, you're, he he wasn't factored in this year, obviously, and he's there next year, and he's already paid for, and he's ready to go, and the Jets have a lot of assets, and I bet that they use most of their assets on the de- defensive side of the ball. So there's going to be a lot of improvement. We need guys like Hall to really be – I think Bryce Hall has already solidified himself as a good starting player in football. And I think the double move that Antonio Brown made was overrated. Like he got beat on a play, but yes, he still played a very strong game. I agree with you. He's top 10 in passes defended. He's top 15 in all the coverage stats out there. So yeah, why not be a, a number one or a high end two? And I think that's right. like the combination that you're looking for, but the defense needs help. And we know that, but you do have, I think six starters at least penciled into next year. You have yeah. Quinnen, you have JFM, you have Lawson, you have Mosley, you have Hall, Carter too, and then Eccles can be a spot starter. You can try to retain Foley. Like there are pieces on this team, and May as well, obviously. So and Rankins is under contract for next. Rankins season. under contract. It's so there's a few pieces you need to get better at. I do want to touch on Mosley being the Curtis Martin team MVP. I don't agree with people saying Barrio should be it. I think Mosley has been. I think other than one game he missed. A staple on this team. He had a few down games, a few really great games, 150 tackles. He's the leader you need in the clubhouse. 
we were very mid on Mosley, especially after opting out last year and going to Applebee's. That's fine. But he came back and he played a good year. And I feel much, much better as him being a captain and leader on the defense coming into next year. When early on this year, there's a few games where you're like, are we going to get a, a watered down Mosley? And I think yeah. by the end of the year, he's shown that he's still that guy. No, that's a good point. And it's also to your point of that the Jets have maybe six, seven guys that they could bring back from this defense next year. They just have a lot of assets, but they don't have so many holes where you could really fill those holes with impressive, you know, assets and they can get, they can go out and kind of splurge on a position or two, still fill all the positions normally. Uh, maybe you splurge by spending a first round pick on a corner mm-hmm. or, you know, you, you go out and you, you know, use the early second round pick on Nicobe Dean, I don't, you know, wherever he goes in the draft, or you spend a lot of money on a starting corner of free agency, something like that. Get another pass rusher. Um, use two first round picks on edge, you know, an edge and a corner. So stuff like that. That's a lot of options and they're not so far away. And it's just good that they're playing good at the end of the year now to, but I don't know. I don't know what my ideal, I feel like I have offense a little bit figured out kind of what I want. Mm-hmm. My ideal, ideal scenario is you spend money to upgrade guard or you use the first round pick on a, on a like Linderbaum or Neil. But, but then fan, like what's the, I guess I don't have it figured out. What do you do with fan? Yeah. I think in a perfect world, Houston, something like they've done it before, but they upset Indy and they just get the third pick and Jacksonville uses their pick on Evan Neal and gets their franchise left tackle. And then you can get a Hutchinson or a Thibodeau, whoever the oh. Lions don't take. I think at that point you can do anything you want with the Seattle pick. Cause you just got your edge rusher coming back with Lawson, obviously. So that would be perfect. I, I don't know what I want the Jets to do yet. I, I love the idea of taking Nicobe Dean. I love the idea of taking Evan Neal, potentially getting a receiver and saying, fuck this, we're just going to throw up all the day and, and get guys separated and make plays. I want to address this to you, the Becton stuff. So Becton misses his timetable, misses the entire year. Frustrating. If you were to give me a pen and paper and say, write down three guys who you don't want to miss the whole year, Carl Lawson, Mikai Becton would be in the top three and two of them basically missed the entire year. A lot of talk about it's moving. So fucked. It's fucked. It's fucked. <laughs> a lot of people thinking Becton to right tackle and keeping Fant at left tackle would be the move. I have my opinion before I go there. I want to hear your thoughts. It's interesting. I am not as against it as I thought I would be. You know, I tend to lean towards the big picture and, in terms of, I think what would, I, I like to make the move that I think would work out the most times over a stretch of time. So I think more often than not, Makai Beckton ends up being a better left tackle than George Fant. Mm-hmm. But Fant is such a terrific year at left tackle, especially in pass protection. You've brought this up on the podcast before that the right tackle position is usually historically in the NFL more of like a, a Mahler kind of Mahler type and, uh, you know, a big body and effective in the run game. And that's what Beckton is. And I'm very happy if Mekhi Beck is my left tackle. I'm very happy if he's my right tackle. If the best offensive line formation makes sense to just put Fan at left tackle and Beckton at right tackle, I think Beckton has kind of lost his ability to, you know, get pissed off if you move him around after missing the year with that extended timetable. So I would do it if, if it's really the best football move for the Jets. Yeah. So I think I would start training camp with Beckton at left tackle on a short leash of saying if he continues – he had a not 
stellar training camp by all reports of getting beat by Lawson consistently. I start him at left tackle on a short leash. If he's getting injured, if his peck is down, if his hamstring is out a couple of days, like at that point, you need to give Fant all the reps possible at left tackle. But if he has a clean training camp, gets out there healthy, he's the left tackle, Fant is the right tackle. I am more open to it. Like I would scoff at that idea months ago. Now I'm more open to it. If they were to switch, I wouldn't mind it. Um, but Fant has shown in limited time, he had no reps at left tackle in, in training camp. You throw him out there and he plays a hell of a job. Like, what if you do give him a full training camp at left tackle? So I'm fine with either one, but I would like to have Beckton at left tackle so he can develop because uh, how old is George Fant? He's like, what, 29? 28, 29. Is he going right. to be your seven, eight-year left tackle? Probably not. Beckton could be. That's why I would give Beckton those reps there. Um, That's a good point, too. And, yeah, but and yeah, Fant is 29. And to the Fant stuff, too, though, the reason the Jets signed him for what they did, they, what, they gave him three years, $30 million, but it was essentially a one-year deal, and the Jets have re-upped it mm-hmm. once. They probably will do it again. Joe Douglas got Fant as sort of a project-type player, and this is the best-case scenario. So, you know, when the best-case scenario happens, is it, hey, look, we got this guy for uh, a discount for a couple of years, and that's it? Or is it, what do we do now? Do they give him a second contract? You know, does he, I think the Jets are going to pick up his, you know, keep him for his third year and not cut him. Could they trade him? Jets, Jets, Jets X factor. Toss that question uh, into the ethers. Yeah. They, like, I don't know what you would gut from him in the going market. What do you think? A four? I have no idea. Could it, what, like, could it be like a second round pick? I think it'd be like a, a four. And I think you, Trade Mims for a four or five. So it's like, oh shit, then you have a ton more capital to play around with. I would not trade George Fan for a fifth or fourth or fifth round pick. I, I wouldn't either. I just, yeah, I I, just, I don't I don't know. I don't think a team would give up. But again, if if you told me the fourth round or fifth round pick, we would draft an offensive tackle and they would do as Fan did last year, I would, you know, but it's not the money any of the money issues and whatnot. Yeah, and I'm also really looking forward to – I tweeted this out, the Douglas end-of-year presser. I don't know. It's a weird – I think I, I started this feeling in 2014 when Idzik did his midseason presser when they were 1-7. I love – or was it – I think, yeah, it was, they were 1-7 in 2014. Yeah, that's the Sammy Watkins, uh, Mike Francesa yeah. rant. Yeah. I just love hearing a GM midway through the year giving their opinion, and then the first – few days after the year giving their opinion again i i don't know what it is i like i rewatched <laughs> the douglas yesterday the 20 minute interview from november of this year like, well you know why you love it it's like it really captures what's going on around the team like we always look back and you're like oh like you know we we kind of analyze things how after they happen but when they happen is most most of the time there's a different narrative going on there's a different feeling you don't know what's going to happen so it's exciting to see where the Jets are really at is what Joe Douglas was talking about. Right. Because even 2020, he was like, oh, and eight, I got to be better. It starts with me. Sam Darnold's a great quarterback. He's going to be a great quarterback. He's the quarterback of the future. Adam Gase, the goal is to do this together, and he can get back on track. And the moment the year ended, Gase was let go. He's like, we're going to do a good job, head coach, and I'm confident that Darnold's going to reach his potential of a third overall pick, but never said where he's playing. So at that point, you kind of think, oh, Darnold's a goner and I just love the fact that we're going to get and I hope the beat does a good job with this like if I'm the beat first question what are your thoughts of moving back in the right tackle after how well George Fant played this year like uh, you, you put him in a corner to answer he's probably gonna say there's a lot to assess right now 
But he could say everything's on the table. He could also say, no, Beckton's our left tackle for the future. We think he's the guy. So, like, those type of questions come January 10th, you're like, holy shit, this is cool information that free agency is two months down the road. Like, that is the stuff I'm really looking forward to. Um, maybe I'm the only one that does it, but, like, I'll rewatch the presser. It's like a trailer for a movie. Oh, and I was like, we, we haven't seen the movie. So you're like, it's like in a world and DJ B enemies, like is, is Beckton going to move to right tackle? You're like, duh, duh, duh. <laughs> like, we don't know. You know, it gives like a bullshit answer. And you also hear coach Sala every, every day, basically like Wednesday through Friday and the, after the game and the Monday he's on the radio. So you're like, you don't hear Douglas at all. You hear him basically twice a year. So it's pretty cool. And at, after the draft and day one, he'll be on and give his interview. So it's, it's really damn cool. I'm looking forward to that. And the Buffalo game coming up, 17-point underdogs in Buffalo. Jets haven't won a road division game in 1,100 days. Last time <laughs> they did win was in Buffalo uh, in 2018. Oh, on the white jerseys with Darnold made the crazy play to Robbie. Yeah, Elijah McGuire game-winning rushing touchdown. Look, yeah. everything's weird in the NFL. Like, random upsets happen. Some teams play, like, the defending Super Bowl champions lose by three points and play their ass off like something happens it's interesting but you never know look and the jets are going to be fully stocked hopefully with with michael carter with elijah moore and wilson together fuck the bills you know what like what's obviously a lot of things are going to change in the offseason the jets are going to improve they're going to in terms of personnel they have a ton of assets to make it happen but when we're playing the bills next year it's not going to be so different than right now so let's make a statement. Let's come out and play a good football game. I don't want to lose by 15 points. I think it was uh, Sheldon Rankins was saying the Jets were, you know, pissed off. They got murdered by the Bills last time. They, have, you know, they remember. Maybe Morgan Moses said that, but fuck this team. Let's knock them out. You know, them and the Patriots are making the playoffs anyway, so let's piss them off. Let's beat them in an important game. Fuck with their seeding, you know? Yeah. And in looking back at the Darnold era, like they always ended the year with like a deflating performance. So like 2018, they lose, three, yeah. they lose the Patriots 38 to three, even 2019, they win, but throw I think two picks and it was like 160 pat. Like it was not like a fun game in 2020, the Patriots again, just maul the Jets. So I'm not expecting, like, you don't want to go into the year with Zach Wilson, zero touchdowns, three picks on 150 yards passing in Buffalo. Like yeah. that is a deflating end of the year. Um, but like, what we'll hopefully, what probably will happen is like a 220 yard, one touchdown, one pick performance. That's probably what's going to happen. But imagine this guy you you lose, but Wilson throws two touchdowns, 280, completes over 50, hopefully 59 percent of his passes because he hasn't broke the 60 percent mark like over two or three times this year. It's he one a couple 60 percenters. Yeah, I think it's like three. So. Yeah. He's got to play a little – one of them was the game he was 6 for 10 against the Patriots and got knocked out. And if he throws for 280 yards and two touchdowns, like a bunch of completions, think about how many highlights that is. Like all the highlights we have from last week, like the Cole throw and the Barrios throw that you were talking about before. Some of the throws on third down to Kenny Yaboa. Just like darts in there. He's, he's you know, watching the linebacker go into one window, throwing into the other window. Yeah, A lot of fun. And if he throws for 280 in a week – 18 you have so many you're just more of those plays to get excited about for the offseason we get to watch them on a loop and get pumped up for 2022 
Yeah. Yeah. We'll definitely rip a, a handful of podcasts as we get closer to free agency in the draft and end of the year. We have to do a better job of staying on top of it and like keeping it relevant. Nobody wants to hear Jets Bucks talk four days later. Um, so we have to do a better job. We had some audio issues last night, but um, we have to get better on YouTube as well. We haven't posted a YouTube video in three weeks. We're, we're so focused on getting Twitter and, and making progress there. It's been crazy. You've had some bangers recently and posting up numbers. Oh, fire. That's it. Run, uh, run Jets Twitter. I love that running joke that everyone thinks that you run the Jets Twitter account. It's weird. I don't, I don't think I really realized that how our logos kind of look similar. Like, yeah, I know. And they tweeted out they're afraid of Jets Twitter this week for like not putting Zach Wilson in the Rookie of the Week poll. And then people, I replied and was like, I love how this came from the main account. And like a ton of people replied, like, I just assumed that was your account because like the logo looks the same. Oh, man. I always get confused. Yeah. You're black. NYJ Matt. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good logo. Yeah, I don't know who, someone made it for me. They had like 10 followers. Like, I can make you a better logo than the garbage you have. And I'm like, thank you. And they, they sent it to me within like two minutes and I've had it ever since. Oh, we need a graphic designer too. We oh should say God. at the beginning of the podcast next episode. We need a fucking graphic designer. We have so many ideas for shirts and the shirts that we did make, they, we've made like $2,000 in revenue. Like, what if we just did like normal shirts? What if we try, like, yeah, like, like acting like normal people? Yeah, uh, we will. I think we're good, though. I think we'll wrap it there. Mike, as always, very fun. Good podcast again. We'll be back. Have a good day.